What a great thing it is to worship in Christmas, in the season of Christmas, right? In the season of Advent. Uh, so glad that you're here today. Uh, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, we're so glad you came to church during this Advent season. Um, we're building up with anticipation uh, to the beauty of the Christmas season as well, right? Uh, for those of us who believe in Jesus, this is really a season of the celebration of the idea that God chose to be with us, right? Emmanuel, God with us. And he, he came not with all this pomp and circumstance, but he came as a gentle baby in a manger, right? Don't you love this season and how we get to really reflect on what we believe uh, as followers of Jesus, right? And, and we get to think about the idea that we serve a God who chose to come and be with us, right? What a beautiful thing that is. And we've had some great messages leading up to today in our Advent series, right? And that's what we want to continue today. Check out those on the podcast. Pastor Kelsey Lasher had a great one. Pastor Ike had a great one last week. Uh, but today we want to look at sort of a, a part of the Advent story that we may not often think about. I, personally, I, I can't say that I've often thought about um, this component of the Advent story too significantly. Um, and it's, so it's often overlooked. We, we always think about Mary and Joseph and a manger and a baby um, and Jesus, right? And, and those are so often the depictions of Christmas that first come to mind. Um, but the individual that I'm talking about that we want to look at as it relates to Advent today is a guy named John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist. Um, you see, Advent means coming, right? Um, and we participate in Advent to prepare for Jesus' coming. He, he came as a baby, God incarnate on earth. But um, these readings of John the Baptist throughout uh, many different traditions in church history, um, we read these through a different lens, one that is preparing us to prepare for Jesus' return, right, for his second coming. And as we'll study today, uh, one of John the Baptist's favorite messages <laughs> was about repentance, right? He, he was continuously harping on this idea of repent, repent, repent. And what he's really talking about, though, friends, when he's talking about repentance here, is he was talking about a changing of the mind, right? It was talking about a changing of the mind. And I believe if you'll come with me today in this story of John the Baptist, we may find ourselves in this story this Christmas season. And through John, we might be able to change our perspective of some things going on around us as well. Amen? Will you join me in that? Let's look at this scripture now. It's the uh, book of Matthew. Uh, if you want to turn there, it's uh, chapter 11, and I will read verses 2 and 3. Um, and I'm praying today that this will be a very personal experience for you today. Um, so let's read this and then, and then we'll pray and get into this. Um, Matthew eleven two 2 and 3. It says, when John, who was in prison, <laughs> interesting place to start, right? Heard about the deeds of the Messiah. He sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And I want to underline that word expect. Should we expect someone else? Father, uh, Lord, I step aside now. I ask that everything that would come out of my mouth would be from you. Let nothing that is spoken today be anything that I've generated. But Lord, I want to be a vessel for you and speak to these people clearly what message you have for them today. Lord, speak to us about our expectations and this guy, John the Baptist, and how we can learn how to uh, know you better and know you deeper in this season of Advent. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. So, friends, I've got, I've got some news. Um, you know, I've been, it's, been, it's been really interesting for me to, to, to kind of put this together and, and really think about this. Um, you know, there's just so many things that are 
um, going on, and I'm, I'm sort of nervous as I'm getting ready to share this with you all. I, don't, I haven't really shared this with anybody before, um, and so you know, it's, it's, it's just a really interesting thing to, to stand up in front of a church like this and share this news, um, and really that is, I got you right, just now. <laughs> Did you see how I built your expectation? Did you see that? I built up your expectation. Yeah, see, take a deep breath, right? Do you see how that works? This building up of expectation? Isn't that interesting? How, what a great, what a great example of, of expectation, right? <laughs> Nobody's laughing except me. Um, see, when, here's the thing. When you don't understand someone's expectations, right? When you don't understand what someone is expecting, and all of you probably, you know, it looks like Ike, maybe his heart started racing there for a minute. Um, you know, there was some, this buildup of expectation, right? Um, and so that's what we want to talk about today is this idea of expectation. Expectation is really an interesting frame, friends, for what we're talking about here with John the Baptist. And I want you to think about what you were feeling as I was talking just a moment ago, because there was a lot of things going on um, around expectation and what John was talking about with Jesus. See, um, there's an interesting idea, right, that when you don't understand someone's expectations, you really can't make sense of their disappointments, right? Uh, you have to have an empathy towards their expectation. And really, when we're talking about expectation, isn't faith really an expectation, friends? Isn't, isn't faith really one of the greatest forms of expectation that we can have? And see, uh, with faith, you get the essence. It is an expectation. It's Faith is a confidence assurance, you might say, that even when there's a negative circumstance that's coming about, it still holds the potential to produce great purpose in your life, right? And see, it means what expectation means and what faith means around this idea is that I can walk into something dark and light it up, right? Because, my, because of my faith, because the light of the world lives in me, right? That's what we believe, that when I have great faith, right? You say that Jesus is the light of the world. Well, absolutely he is, uh, but guess where he resides, <laughs> right? And see, so your faith as an expectation, it can do many, many different things. Faith is an expectation to know that even if the sequence of things doesn't make sense in my life, uh, the things that are happening in your life don't make sense, that God lives outside of time because he is eternal and he knows the beginning from the end, right? That's faith. So then I have to trust him. If he's A and Z, then I've got to trust him with P, right? I've got to trust him with all of this stuff in the middle. Uh, because if he is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, then my faith is an expectation that before the movie even starts, he already knows the ending. Amen? He already knows the ending. That's what faith is. He's already shot the closing scene, and it helps me to know today that I don't have to live in suspense as you were maybe a, a little bit ago. I don't have to live in suspense as to whether or not I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, because faith is an expectation that we can have confidence in. Amen? Amen? Amen. See, faith enables me to wake up in the morning knowing that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Faith is an expectation. See, and since today's one of the days of your life, goodness and mercy are right there with you. <laughs> They're your bodyguards. One on my right, one on my left, right? You can't see them, but you've got security. That can be your expectation right? 
See, goodness and mercy, the favor of the Lord is the filter through which you can view the fights of your life as well, right? He who, the, he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. Amen. I don't know, you can say, maybe I don't know when, maybe I don't know how, I'm not even quite sure what he's doing yet, but my faith gives me an expectation that now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Right? See, not according to my preference, not according to my understanding or the finite, you know, small little ways that I tend to come at my situations. It's bigger than that. Because my faith is an expectation. Did I drive this home yet? <laughs> now, talk about expectations. John the Baptist, <laughs> who we just read about at the top. Uh, he was really, really quite familiar with the pressure of high expectations, right? <laughs> because he was a miraculously born baby and an angel prophesied of his birth like somebody we all know. <laughs> and, in fact, when his mother Elizabeth got pregnant, uh, his father, Zechariah, was so shocked by it that he told the angel that it couldn't happen because <laughs> they were kind of old, <laughs> right? Uh, he was just kind of shocked. His expectation was very different right, that of, of what was going to happen than what did happen. And so uh, John was born, but before he was born, you have to understand that um, he was the voice that prepared the way for the Lord that an, an entire nation was expecting to deliver them from oppression, right? So John, he was, he was a miraculous guy. He, there were some great things about how he came about, but he was the voice that prepared the way uh, for the Lord, that an, an entire nation had this expectation of what this guy was going to be, right? There was an expectation of the Messiah. They looked for hundreds of years and centuries so that this generation that was alive at the time of the birth of Christ had heard all the stories, right? They had heard all the rumors and the rumblings and the possibility and the potential of his coming into the world. And this expectation from their heart was that he would then set them free from oppression, whether it was economic or political, or he would deliver them from this containment, this, this, this thing that, that, was, that was holding them down, right? <laughs> Even when John the Baptist was still in Elizabeth's womb, an angel appeared six months after Elizabeth got pregnant with John the Baptist to Mary. Uh, Mary was a relative of Elizabeth. You guys know Mary, right? Mary, did you know from all the great songs we're singing right now? Like, Especially, I like the versions of Mary Did You Know by Pentatonix and Michael Buble, um, if you'd like to listen to those. So we're talking about that Mary, right? She knew. <laughs> Did you know? It's kind of a redundant question. Um, she was told that she was going to have a baby. And uh, it was kind of hard for her to believe that, right? Because it contradicted the circumstances that were surrounding it. She had also a different expectation. So the first thing that she did when the angel left was to go to the hill country to see her relative named Elizabeth because the angel had told her that she's also expecting. <laughs> you get it? And see, it was here that Luke told us that, uh, in, the, in the Gospel of Luke that even in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy with John the Baptist and Mary's first month of pregnancy with Jesus, John the Baptist is literally jumping up and down in the womb, right, when Jesus comes around. That's how much he had an expectation of what this guy was going to be right? He was jumping up and down in the womb at the idea of Jesus' lordship. He was expecting something 
even in the womb. And you can read about that whole interaction in Luke chapter 1. We don't have time to do that right now. But fast forward to that scripture that we read at the top. Um, A lot has happened since John the Baptist was jumping up and down (laughs) as a fetus. Um, And Jesus is now really, really getting quite popular, right? Uh, He's he's blowing up, as some would say. Um, And John, um, according to the text that we read, he's in prison. Uh, He's not blowing up. (laughs) Things are not going as John thought. See, when John first saw uh, Jesus as an adult and You know, whether or not they had much contact during their teenage years, it's not recorded in Scripture. But one thing we know is that when John saw Jesus at one point when he was baptizing in the Jordan River, John identified Jesus not by the activities that he did, but he identified him based on the essence of who he was, uh, which is really important in how we can relate to God as well, right? Because if we learn to only identify God by what he does and what he does for us, then our expectation and our faith is attached to his activity. And that's kind of dangerous, right? Because sometimes the things that are happening, we may not like. (laughs) Sometimes the things that are happening, we may not understand. So if we attach what we know of God to what he's doing, you can see how this becomes a problem, right? So John is not doing that here. But see, where it gets difficult for us is because dancing babies in the womb is one thing, right? But now when John, who was in prison, Uh, Not because he did really anything bad, but because a wicked king said that, um, you know, he didn't, this guy John didn't quite say what he wanted to hear, so he put him in prison, right? Um, He didn't operate the way that the king wanted him to, um, and so he's thrown in prison. (laughs) Not that he did anything wrong. And see, uh, John was very popular in his time until Jesus came, right? Uh, When Jesus came, he said, look, this is the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. Don't follow me anymore. Follow him. He must, be gre- he must become greater. I must become less. Follow him, not me, right? That's John 3.30. He must be great- become greater. I must become less. The whole reason that I'm here is to point you all to him. That's what John is saying, right? Here he is. You all go with him. I'm going to do my thing. I prepared the way. I'm just a voice. I'm not the one. I'm just a voice that's kind of pointing to the one so that you know, I know my place. I'm going to fall back now so that he can do what he came to do. And what he says that he came to do was to judge the wickedness and to bring people to repentance. That's what John's favorite message was, right? He loved the word repent, as I mentioned earlier. Repent, repent. He just preached it all the time, right? (laughs) And people would come out to be baptized by him, and he would even call them names. (laughs) This guy, John the Baptist, was pretty rough, (laughs) right? Like, if if he had a Twitter account these days, like, he probably would get banned. You know what I mean? Um, But... uh, (laughs) He was a little bit rough, right? And so they would come out to be baptized by him. One of the times he even called the Pharisees a brood of vipers. A brood of vipers. Um, That would be an interesting way to welcome everybody to church one day. Um, But see, there's prophetic power to John the Baptist's ministry that people were attracted to because he would say things that were true whether they wanted them to be true or not, right? The same thing that made him able to just take a stand and say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to move off of this. Repent, 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 right? That's what he was all about. And it's that same message that he's preaching when he baptizes Jesus, right? He said, I'm not worthy to untie the thong of your sandals. Uh, but Jesus said, we've got to do this anyways, right? <laughs> we've we've got to fulfill it. We've got to do it. It's righteous. It's proper. It's appropriate. And so he baptized Jesus in obedience, even though maybe it didn't quite make a lot of sense to him, right? Um, 
And now, so check this out. So this is something that he said that shows us what his expectation was, okay? Um, and see, again, if you don't understand his expectation, you can't understand his disappointment. So this was his expectation of the Messiah. This was his expectation of the one that he, John, gave away his ministry to. This was his expectation of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, right? It's found in Matthew chapter 3. He's talking to the crowds and he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. <laughs> and now watch this in verse 12. He said he'll do this with his winnowing fork in his hand. His winnowing fork in his hand. See, that's a pretty big deal, right? That's what you use to get the, the chafe out, <laughs> right? The wickedness. You winnow it out and you separate it from the sheep and the goats, the good from the bad, the righteous from the wicked. He's got his winnowing fork. He's here now. It's about to go down. It's, it's about to get good, John is thinking, right? The Lamb of God is here. He's got his winnowing fork in his hand and he's going to clear the threshing floor. He's gathering his wheat into his barn and he's burning it up with an unquenchable fire. This is John the Baptist's expectation of Jesus, right? Does that make sense? Do you agree with that? Do you see how he's, this is kind of what he's thinking? <laughs> see, if John the Baptist had a church, you know, sign out front, like the one right out here, it would have all those things about hell all over it, probably, right? It would be, it would be one of those things, right? You know, about the fire and the wicked and the righteous and turn or burn, you know, <laughs> one of these kind of things, right? Because he's expecting Jesus to have this winnowing fork in hand, so that's his expectation. Now, flash forward again to the scripture we read. He's in prison. And something is making him doubt what he was so, so sure about from the time before he was even born. Because see, he's in it now. He's, he's in a, a desperate situation. He's in a dark place. He's in a hard time, right? See, what he knew before he was even born, he's now doubting because of it. And see, he sends messengers from where he's at in prison, a hundred miles on foot, to ask Jesus one question. And see, I get it. I get what John is going through, right? I get what he's thinking. I'm sure you can too, as we think about his expectation, right? He's thinking, we're supposed to be partners here, Jesus. I thought we were going to do this together. <laughs> All I keep is seeing and hearing about is you're healing people, you're blessing people. I'm hearing all these reports about how awesome it's going for you. But I stood up to a king, and I'm the one in prison. Right? And here's what he's wondering. Did you catch it in the verse we read earlier? This is the question he sent these folks to ask Jesus. Are you the one who, are you the one, or should we expect someone else? See, when you know his expectation, that's, he's disappointed. He's really disappointed. In other words, he's saying, is it always going to be like this? <laughs> In other words, he's saying, Jesus, I thought you were God. I thought you were going to fill in the blank. Have you ever thought God was going to fill in the blank? Because John the Baptist is just wondering. He's, he's just wondering, right? He's not denying Jesus here. He's not turning away 
from Jesus as the sovereign Lord. He's not contradicting what he said to begin with. He's just thinking now maybe God isn't who I thought he was. Maybe the one I trusted in, maybe I trusted the wrong one, you know? And see, here's the interesting thing about it, friends. A lot of times, our entire faith, our entire faith, and all of our expectation can be sabotaged because of our misplaced expectations of what God should do. (laughs) And I'm not sure that even as preachers and pastors that you may have been in contact with, we've been very responsible about it because a lot of times we preach that when you give your life to Jesus, that's, that's going to be a great thing, right? And it is. It's, it's an amazing thing. And we, we talk about it, though, sometimes as uh, maybe it's a one-time event, but it is. And see, when you give your life to the Lord, you'll never pay the penalty of your sin, Uh, Jesus is the Lamb of God, right? This is what John knew. He takes away the sin of the world. He takes away your sin when you give your life to Jesus. But see, the patterns of sin are much different than the penalty, right? And see, uh, when we preach that you've been forgiven of your sin, you're set free of the penalty of your sin. But if the pattern of your sin has been ingrained throughout your lifetime, uh, sometimes even generational, right, for some, some, some of us, Uh, some of these addictions that you're fighting against. And we have these things that we expect what it's going to be like, right? We expect these things that God is going to do. And sometimes, though, we start to get into it and things happen in our life that we, you know, it's kind of that old question of why why do bad things happen to good people, (laughs) right? Again, we're getting, it gets into that idea. And sometimes we go to Jesus and we say, hey, are you the one? (laughs) Are you the one? And see, look back at what the messengers say back to John, right? See, this is what Jesus told the messengers to go, and t- go back to John and tell him. See, it says, Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. And look at the list that Jesus gives. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Do you notice what isn't in that verse? Do you notice what isn't in that list? The fork in the fire, right? It wasn't what John was expecting. It wasn't what he was expecting. See, Jesus wasn't doing any of the things that John wanted him to do. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Go and tell John that. (laughs) That's what Jesus is saying. But see, John is wondering, where's the fork? (laughs) And where's the fire? And see, I wonder if you've ever felt like that at some point, friends where you're wondering where your thing that you were expecting is, where you're wondering why are you having to go through this. And this Christmas season, if you're really honest with yourself about that, you might have those things, right, that you're asking, why, why am I facing this? Why is it me going through this? You might even be wondering, how can you do this, God? 
And that expectation of what we thought God was going to do can be what puts us in a prison too, just like John was. But see, friends, I've got a question for you around that. What if God is really able to do immeasurably more than you might ask or imagine? (laughs) What if he wants to do something so much better and so much bigger than your mind can comprehend? Would you be open to that? (laughs) See, what if God didn't want to meet your expectation, but he wanted to exceed it? See, Jesus, the promised Messiah, the conquering king, the powerful hero they all wanted, came as a baby in a manger. (laughs) It wasn't what they expected. It wasn't what they expected, but it exceeded everything that they could have imagined. Right? And see, friends, the way that that God will often grow your faith is usually (laughs) to disappoint your expectations. That's hard, right? That's hard. John's like, this? This is what I gave up my ministry for? I gave my life to Jesus, and this is what I get, right? I'm still struggling with anxiety. I'm still struggling with this health issue. I'm still struggling with my finances. I'm still struggling with all these things. Why? Right? Has anybody ever been there? Boy, I have. See, repeatedly throughout the Gospels, Jesus is fulfilling prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, but he's not fulfilling anyone's preferences. (laughs) See, it's very different. He's fulfilling what he said he was, not what they thought he was going to be. See, he's so much bigger than that. His plan is so much bigger than that. His purpose is so much greater than that. What he's trying to do is so much greater than that. John said, are you the one? And Jesus said, go back and tell him, yes. (laughs) It's just not how you thought it was. It's just not how you thought it was. And tell John that I need his faith not to rest on the idea of who he thought I was, but on who I am. Right? That's what he's saying. And that might be what he's saying to some of you today, friends. See, you know what God uses to develop your faith? Disappointment. You know what the devil uses to destroy your faith? Disappointment. And I think it's what you do with it that matters. See, it's going to happen, friends. It's going to happen in relationships. It's going to happen in careers. It's going to happen in churches. It's going to happen with your pastors. You might all think that we should be doing something different or that this church should be in a different spot or whatever it might be to where you thought it was going to be and what it really is. It's going to happen, right? It's going to happen. <laughs> and see, the reality is, like, I don't even like the way that this story ends for John, right? Like, I wish I could just, you know, tell you, like, God, John got out of prison, and he went on to preach the gospel, and he saved all these people, and there was this amazing ministry that he did right after that, and there was, you know, then we can all go home and be happy and watch the Broncos game, right? But that's not what happened. John... They're, they're sad. They're sad about that, too. But see, the way that you expect the story to end isn't always how it ends, right? John didn't get out of prison. In fact, he was beheaded while he was in prison, right? He didn't get out. But here's the thing. 
See, what happens next is the part of the message that I really want you to take heart in, because as John's, because this is what it says next, right? So Jesus tells, this is what I want you to go tell John. This is what I want you to go tell John. And as, then it says, as John's disciples were leaving. This is significant because what he says before is what he wants John to know. What he says next is what he wants the crowd to know. And it's a critical distinction because God never wants your faith to rest on you. That's what he told John. It's not about you. It's what I'm doing, right? But then look at what he says next. He says, go and tell John this. But as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. He said, truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He's talking John up, right? He's talking him up. He's telling John, hey, don't be, don't get your faith hooked on what I'm doing. (laughs) But he still is giving John all the praise, all of the support, all of the care, all of the courage, all of the dedication that he needs. See, it's not that God didn't bless John. It's just different than what he thought it was going to be. And see, friends, if we can recognize what Jesus is doing here, that he's bigger than we thought that he's doing more to exceed our expectations than we might realize, then we can be set free this Advent season, friends. You can be set free by the fact that God may not be conforming to your agenda or keeping all of your appointments. God might not be organizing everything to match your exact preference, but there is a greater purpose and there is a bigger picture. And just like John was the forerunner of Jesus Christ, for some of you, God is going to use you in ways that you couldn't even imagine. And that situation that's in your life, that hard thing that you're going through, he's going to use that as a testimony to bring about glory and praise to him. Amen? God is going to use you to fight battles for your children's children, for your children's children's children, and they will be blessed if you don't fall away, if you can keep the faith, if you can recognize that God is doing something bigger than you can even imagine. If you'll resist the urge to control God, you can serve Him and worship Him, and it will all be all right. Because my faith is not the expectation that circumstances will be pleasant. My faith is the expectation that the Lord is the voice upon the water. Go and tell John. (laughs) See, blessed is he who does not trip over the way that he thought it was going to be. (laughs) Right? Blessed is he who accepts what I'm doing in his or her life. And the Lord wants to set all of us free today, friends from the expectation that you may be disappointed about right now, from the way that you thought it was going to be. Because, you know, what's going to happen once you set your mind free from the way that you thought it was going to be, you can embrace what it is. (laughs) And what God is going to do is he's going to make the blind see. He's going to make the lame walk. He's going to 
do miracles that you couldn't even imagine. See, the first place, friends, of deliverance is in the area of your expectation. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that this would be something that uh, this message of how we set our expectations around you and what you're doing in our lives, Lord, though we may face disappointment at times, it's not to discount disappointment. We will face disappointment in this life, Lord. But Lord, you, you told those messengers to go and tell John what you were doing. And Lord, though we may not see it, though it may be different than what we expect, though it may be harder than we thought it would be, Lord, you are still in control. And so, Lord, we ask that you would deliver us from the expectation that we should be in control. And, Lord, that we would learn this lesson from John the Baptist that we can trust you. We can trust the one who you are. We can lean into the idea that you have a plan and a purpose that's bigger than we could even hope to realize. And, Lord, as we lean into that, would you allow it to bring peace? Would you allow it to bring our expectation to a level of not what you do, but who you are. And God, we pray that in this Advent season and as we lead up to this Christmas celebration of you coming to be born and you coming to be with us, that, Lord, our expectation would be set on the glorious and the, and the, the, the glorious King that you are. Thank you, Jesus, that we can worship you and love you and know that even though you might be telling us today to reset our expectations, some of us, even though you may be asking us to do those things, God, we can rest in the idea that you, you are in control. You have a purpose that's bigger than we can see. Praise you, God. We thank you for all you're doing. It's in your name we pray. Amen.